0: Thank you for asking me. Uh, In some ways, I don't feel worthy because I was not a pathfinder growing up. Uh, My wife was. Karen's here today. She was a pathfinder. We have pathfinders and adventures at our Granite Bay Church, but I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Now, I did have military school. Five years old, I was in military school, really. Black Fox Military Academy, and then again, 11, 12, 13, New York Military Academy. So some of the good things that you learn, the discipline, the, the, the rules and the code, I value that. But the most important part was the focus on God that you have. And that's what makes all the difference in the world. And so that's what I'd like to talk about a little bit with you this morning, is you become like what you look at in your families and especially for the fathers. And by the way, Happy Father's Day to those out there. It's all about focus. You know, there's that great chapter in the Bible, Hebrews 11, that talks about the heroes of faith. And then when you get to chapter 12, after reviewing the great heroes of faith, like Abraham talks about Gideon and Samson and, and uh, Rahab. And, and then it says, Since we are surrounded, Hebrews chapter 12, By such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that is set before us, laying aside the sin, the weights and the sin that does so easily beset us, and here's the part, looking unto Jesus. You run the race looking unto Jesus. Our focus, in fact, some Bible translations say that's more accurately translated fixing your eyes on Jesus. It's like when you run the race, you're running towards a goal. It's like this man who was um, walking one day out after a snow, and he saw some boys were on their way home from school, and they began to fight with each other, and he thought they just need something to keep them busy. And so he said, hey, boys, how'd like one of you like to get to 50 cents? And they said, I wanted 50 cents. He said, all right, here's the deal. You're going to do a race But this is a different kind of race. I want you to run across that field with the fresh snow on it. I'll go to the other side of the field. When I count to three, I'll say, go. You start running. And it's not just the first one who gets to me. It's the first one who gets to me who has the straightest tracks in the snow. So he went to the other side of the field. And he said, one, two, three, go. And the boys took off running. One of the boys in the middle, he was wondering how his friends were doing, so he kept looking to the right at their trail in the snow, and then he looked to the left at their trail in the snow, but every time he turned his head, his trail turned. Have you ever tried to ride a bicycle on a straight line while you're looking over your shoulder? It's almost impossible. So his tracks were crooked. The other boy kept looking over his shoulder at his own tracks. And every time he looked over his shoulders, his tracks would turn. But the boy on the far right, he decided to run, and he didn't look to the right. He did not look to the left. He did not look behind. He looked at the man on the other side of the field. He said, my grandpa taught me when I plow a field, do not look behind you, but look at something at the end of the field. And that boy had the straightest tracks because he was focused on the man, and he won the race. How do we win the race? We fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, one of the great uh, (laughs) daredevils, and I don't recommend you take this up as an occupation, but is a guy named the Great Blondin. He's one of the few tightrope walkers who lived and died of old age. Most of them didn't die of old age, they fell off the rope. He was the first one who went across Niagara Falls on a cable. He did it several times, never fell. And he did it once. He actually pushed someone across Niagara Falls in a wheelbarrow one time. But someone asked him, they said, how is it that you don't get terrified when you get out there in the middle of the rope and you look down and you see all of the steaming, boiling water from the falls and and the spray and the wind and you know that if you fall you're certainly going to die. And he said, well, I don't look at that. He said, when I start out across the gorge, he said, I have a silver star that I have fixed on the other side of the rope. He said, I keep my eyes on the star. I don't even look at my feet. He says, I know if I keep my eyes on the star, when I put my feet down, they'll be straight. And that's how I get to the other side. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. You know, it's also a principle in the Bible. You become like... What you look at. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You become like what you look at especially when you're young. Mrs. Bachelor and I were out camping one day. We were kayaking down a river with some friends. It took a couple days to make this trip. And uh, Karen and I were walking by ourselves while the others were packing up the camp, and we came upon a baby duck. Now, this was a baby, baby duck, just a little beep, beep, beep. He had just come out of the shell, but there was no mama duck, no other babies. He was by himself. We looked around, and we thought, he's going to get eaten by something out here. So we picked him up. Had to chase him a little. First he was scared of us. Had to chase him. I scooping him up in my hand, took the baby little duck back to uh, our camp to show everybody, and it was so cute. This little little bitty fur ball went beep 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 beep, and uh, wild duck. And uh, we all played with it that night, and it, it was kind of pretty soon. It started hanging around the camp with us. It crawled into someone's sleeping bag and stayed with them that night. Next morning when we pitched our camp, we realized that we're, you know, paddling home. Uh, We don't know what we're going to do with this baby duck. So I thought we're going to have to say goodbye on the shore because we're going down some rough water in the river. And uh, as we were getting in our boats, a little duck comes chasing after us. Beep, 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 beep. We said goodbye, little duck, and we paddled away. It jumped in the water and started paddling after us. Then it jumped up on top of our kayak. I went thought, oh, you poor little thing, you're going to get killed in the rapids. We went through the rapids, and it got washed over, but I didn't realize, you know, ducks can swim really good. (laughs) It floated like a little cork right through the rapids, came up the other side, jumped back up on our kayak. It stayed with us the whole trip, and it came home. It thought it was a human because ducks go through something where they look at you and they bond. You know, if a baby duck, when it comes out of its shell, if it sees the family dog, it'll think it's a dog. If it comes out of its shell, it sees a person, it'll follow the people around. We kind of become like what we look at. Years ago, after church one day, Miss Bachel and I went to a friend's house, and there were several guests there from church, and there was one man there. He looked a little bit like Elvis Presley. He looked like an older version of Elvis Presley. And we found out why. While we were eating dinner, he told us his story. He said, yeah. I'm an Elvis Presley impersonator. And we thought, that's interesting, he's coming to Adventist Church. And he told us his story. He said, you know, I was raised in the church, but when I was a young man, I started listening to the wrong kind of music. And I went to a concert one day, and I saw Elvis Presley. And he was young, it was at the very beginning, when he just was rocketing to stardom. And I saw him get out and wiggle and gyrate and And back then, they used to call him Elvis the pelvis because of the way he danced. And he said, I saw the girls scream. And they're fainting. He thought, wow, he really casts a spell on the girls. But I want to be like Elvis. He said, so I started to go to all the Elvis concerts. And I would listen to all of Elvis's music. And I'd listen to his songs over and over. He said, I dyed my hair black. I got a guitar, I learned to play it, I'd stand in front of the mirror and I'd listen to Elvis Presley songs and I'd try to play, and he said, I got pretty good. He said, whenever there was an Elvis movie, I'd go to the movie theater early on Saturday when I should have been in church, and back then you could pay 25 cents to go to a movie and you didn't have to leave, you could stay and watch it again, and again, and again. He said, I'd stay there all day long, I'd watch the same bad Elvis Presley movies. He wasn't a great actor. And he said, he was my hero. He said, I idolized him. I had Elvis Presley posters on my wall. He said, I'd try and walk and talk like Elvis Presley. And he said, all my friends made fun of me. He said, I did it for years. He said, and then Elvis died. And I started impersonating Elvis in clubs. And pretty soon, he said, I was the first Elvis Presley impersonator in Las Vegas. And he said, I was getting paid a lot of money. He said, in fact, he said, I just came back from Japan where I was paid $10,000 to do an Elvis Presley concert. He said, but the sad thing is, he says, I'm 50 years old now. He says, I, I realize I can't do this forever. He said, I don't know who I am anymore because I know I'm not Elvis. And he said, I sort of am sad that I left the church. And I thought to myself, you know, he, he looks like Elvis. He probably could sing. Never did ask him to sing. Probably could sing very much like Elvis. I thought, what would happen to the church if all the young people, instead of becoming infatuated with Elvis, they became infatuated with Jesus? Instead of wanting to be a Marvel adventurer, they wanted to be like Jesus, if that was a superhero. If we would fix our eyes on Jesus, there's no limit to what you can do. You know, uh, they've got these dogs that race greyhounds. They're very fast dogs. And when I lived in Florida, people go to the dog races there. In most states, they go to horse races. In Florida, they go to dog races. And what they do is when they open the gates and the dogs take off, they've got an electric rabbit. And the dogs chase this electric rabbit that goes on this little rail And it goes around the track, and the dogs take off, and they start chasing this rabbit, and they're never really allowed to catch the rabbit. The rabbit's just there to make them run, and they run after this rabbit they're never going to catch. Kind of sad. You feel they're running as hard as they can, nearly burst their hearts and their lungs trying to catch a rabbit, and it's not even a real rabbit. It's like a lot of people in the world. I heard about a race, a dog race there in Florida. It had rained and the grass had not been mowed, and the grass grew up a little bit tall and it was wet. And when the race started, all the dogs took out chasing the rabbit, and something happened where when the rabbit went by some wet grass on the electric rail, it shocked, it shorted, and the bunny blew up. And all the rabbits got there and they finally caught up with the rabbit, but it blew up and there was no rabbit anymore. And uh, they just kind of wandered around aimlessly, those poor anorexic-looking dogs with nothing to do. And, you know, that's what happens to most people in the world is they're chasing something they're never supposed to catch because they're fixing their eyes on the wrong goal. I heard about another dog race. While the dogs were chasing the mechanical rabbit, a real rabbit took off and jumped across the track. And one of the dogs... He saw the mechanical rabbit and then he saw the real rabbit. And he said, I'm going after the real one. And he jumped over the fence and he took off. Catch the real rabbit. What are you chasing? What is your goal? Is your goal in life to fix your eyes on Jesus? What's the most important thing? Someone said, The main thing is to keep the main thing. What's the greatest thing in the world? You know, there's a a quote that I think is appropriate for Father's Day that's true for every family and Christian. In the book of Education, page 57, the greatest want of the world is the want of men, men who will not be bought or sold, men who in their inmost souls are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to the duty as the needle is to the pole. I like that part. They've, they've got this focus like a compass. Men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. The greatest want in the world is a people who will fix their eyes on Jesus. They will focus and they'll not turn away. Living up in the hills, I had a friend, his name was Bill Rome. He was an old timer in Covolo, and he was what they, a beekeeper, but he used to get wild honey. He didn't have his own beehives. He knew how to track bees. You ever heard about that? He was out in the woods and he would get two beehives a day tracking bees. I said, How'd you do that, Bill? He said, Well, I take a little lid of honey and I put it in a field where there were flowers, and pretty soon one of the bees would find the honey. And he says, You know what a bee does after he finds honey? He makes a bee line back to the hive. When they find a lot of honey, they don't go flitting from flower to flower anymore. He says, They say, I gotta go tell the other bees about this. I just found a treasure. And he says, I'd watch that bee, taste the honey, and then he'd take off and I'd watch it as far as I could watch it and I'd fix my eyes on that bee. And he said, wherever I lost it, I'd then take my lid of honey, I'd go a quarter mile, and I'd put it down, I'd find that bee again, another bee, he'd make a bee line. He said, I would track the bees until I saw where their hive was. Then I'd smoke them out of their hive and I'd get the wild honey. Because when they found something good, they went right back, they made a bee line back to tell the other bees. We need to have that kind of focus on, in our lives. The devil wants to distract us with all these outside things, but if you're going to run that race and lay aside the weight and the sin, the key is keeping your eyes fixed upon Jesus. You know, um, one of my favorite quotes was actually written in a book called Fellowship of the Unashamed by Dr. Bob Moorhead. He talked about the importance of being a focused disciple of Jesus. He said, I am a disciple of Jesus. Listen to this. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of His. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, popularity. I don't have to be right, tops first, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by presence, I learn by faith, I love by patience, I live by prayer, I labor by power. My face is set, my gait is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder in the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, shut up, let go, or slow up till I preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I will go until he comes. I will give until I drop. I will preach until all know. I will work until he stops. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problems recognizing me. My colors will be clear. You know, I think it would be wonderful if every Christian had this kind of focus. To keep the main thing, the main thing, to fix our eyes on Jesus, and the Bible closes with a focus that says, even so, come Lord Jesus. When you learn sports, if you're going to play baseball or racquetball, the key is the coach will say, keep your eye on the ball. It's very hard to hit the ball if you don't keep your eye on the ball. If you're Christian, you've got to keep your eye on the goal, and the goal is Jesus. Some of you have heard the story of the harrowing experience of the astronauts on Apollo 13. They wanted to land on the moon, but they had a mishap. Oxygen tank exploded and nearly killed them all. Then they had a very difficult time trying to just get back to Earth alive. Uh, The mission had not planned for anything like this. And in order for that spaceship to get through the atmosphere, and uh, be able to land, they had to hit the Earth's atmosphere at the exact right angle. If they did not hit the Earth's atmosphere at the precisely right angle, two things would happen. Either the spaceship would burn up going through the atmosphere or it would bounce off the friction of the atmosphere and they would have been sent off to just die in space from starvation or lack of oxygen or cold. So in order to get the precise measurement they needed, They told Captain James Lovell, and this is one of the few times it really paid that some of the astronauts were pilots. Very rarely did they get to do much flying up there, but this was a time when they actually had to fly manually. And James Lovell was told, you've got 14 seconds. I think in the movie it says 39 seconds. He said that wasn't true. We had 14 seconds. 14 seconds of fuel burn. In that 14 seconds, you need to get the spaceship going the right direction or you're doomed they tried to figure out with, with no compass that would guide them in space, how do we do this? They finally realized from their old-fashioned aviation planning, if we can fix a goal in our little window, they just had a little window in the spaceship, said if we can fix a goal and you keep that in the window while we burn our thrusters, we can get going in the right direction. So you know what the point was they fixed in the window? It was their destination. They said, let's get earth in the window. And while we burn the thrusters, we've got to keep that in the window. And they managed for 14 seconds to keep the earth in the window. If, if they had gotten off course, they would have been doomed. They had to keep that focus or be lost. And, you know, that's really true with each of us. If you want to get to your goal, if heaven is your goal, if Jesus is your goal, then you've got to keep him fixed in the window. How do we do that? Walking with the Lord every day, having family worship, spending time with the Lord every evening before you go to bed, your personal devotions, talking to the Lord in all that you do. And that's what it means. Jesus said, I'm with you always. And we need to remember that. My challenge to you is keep your eyes fixed on Jesus as you run that race. Thank you. God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse